1: So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash show, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there.
2: Swimming through the seven seas, all is calm in the underwater kingdoms. Doing his rounds... Aquaman breathes a sigh of relief that no danger appears to be lurking around the corners tonight. Returning home, Aquaman notices that Atlantis is quiet, maybe a little too quiet. Entering the palace chambers, there is a surprising new figure sitting on the throne, as Namor has assumed control of the kingdom in Aquaman's absence. I've been waiting for you, Namor scowls. There can be only one true Atlantean on the throne. Prepare yourself for battle. It's AC versus the Submariner. It's Protector of the Deep versus Prince of the Blood. It's Aquaman versus Namor. Today on Who Would Win?
1: And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. In today's episode, we have quite possibly the most evenly matched battle ever presented on the Who Would Win show. In one corner, you have Aquaman, DC Comics' King of Atlantis versus Namor, Marvel's King of Atlantis, and there was no need to do a patent who in Google search on this matchup because this matchup, this very matchup, not only has been discussed trillions of times—no exaggeration—but also may be one of the first historical crossover matchups ever discussed in geek culture. You are welcome, Legion of Audience. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's battle? I think you're you're sandbagging just a little bit here, James. This is
2: the first episode of Showdown September, that magical time of year when we stop doing battles that I think are fun, well-balanced, interesting to talk about, and we do battles that the people demand, that the people have talked to death. We find an answer at the end of the day, and hopefully
1: that answer is good. That's true, Ray. Look, I get it. It's the first matchup of Showdown September. I'm insanely hyped. Look, I live for this kind of huge battle. I really, You know this. The board, the Hoodwin production team, now known as the board, they know this as well. And there's something that I've been wanting to say to you and the Hoodwin production team, the board, for quite some time. I accept look, your apology. Look, you know this. The Legion of Audience knows this. Everybody knows this who even just hears two to uh, 60 wonderful minutes of this show, we can make any battle sound like it's the greatest battle of all time, right? I'm giving you a lot of kudos here, Ray Stekanis, as I am for myself, but that is the truth. With the amount of experience we've had, the way you're debating styles, mine, the back and forth, we could make, you know, I don't know, a bagel versus a piece of toast seem like an epic battle worthy of a $250 million budget for as a Marvel kind of tentpole event. Point number one for a piece of toast... Yes, no, I've got nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: I never said what kind of bagel. This could be everything. So be. here is the question. Do we, because there's a lot of people we've talked to are asking us to do live events, and I've been thinking about this for a while, knowing that we can make any matchup sound fantastic, do we go with a showdown September type of classic matchup for a live audience, or do we do something really kind of more in our veins, something a little bit off the wall? Ray, what do you think?
2: Are you suggesting that we do the fifth match of Showdown September as voted on by the people of Patreon, patreon.com/who would win show and do that as a live show at the end of September?
1: No, that's not it at all. Oh, uh, <laughs> we could. No, what I was thinking was, look, again, we're getting more and more requests for li- for us to go live somewhere.
2: But not and a whole I lot of requests for people who want to engineer the thing. That's all I'm going to say about that.
1: That's fair. But money talks, Race Decainus, and of course we gotta get paid if we go live. So I'm just wondering, we did Deadpool versus Wonder Woman. That was a great matchup. Do we wanna do something off the wall, or do we wanna go with a classic matchup now that you know the world's kind of coming back to normal? Again, this is a question for the Legion of Audience. I don't know how to answer it. Again, I might just be too excited about the show, the direction things are going, more listeners, money pouring in from advertising things are going well, race to Canis. Oh, I know. I'm hyped. That's all I'm going to say. I would say say right now, people at home, you know I
2: don't care what you say. I'm allowing you the opportunity to disappoint me here. You can put on, James is going to put a post for this show on this show's feed that says, if we were to do a live show again, what must the matchup be? And you give us your suggestions. And if it's terrible, I will tell you. But if it's not terrible, I'll probably still tell you it's terrible.
1: Or claim the idea is yours.
2: Well, if it's really good, it was my idea, so thank
0: you.
1: That's fair. That's fair. The whole thing was your idea. Listen, when you have a show of this magnitude, you need someone as a judge who can kind of see all of the details, the way things play out, you know, the beginning, the middle, the end, the payoff, everything you would need to have a great story that would culminate in one of these two characters we're debating coming out the winner. And luckily... We actually have that exact judge for today. Welcoming so.
2: Doctor Manhattan to the show. He knows what's <laughs> been, what is, and what will be. He already knows before we've debated who won this battle. Doctor Manhattan, get your butt in
1: here! Oh, it's not Doctor Manhattan. It's not. Unfortunately, he was busy doing something on HBO and he Max. Knew he'd Hopefully, be busy that's too. Thing. It's crazy. Yeah, he did. He knew it. But we do have someone, I think even better, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's former writer for WWE SmackDown and writer of WWE 2K. It's the one and the only Andrea Lisenberger. Andrea, welcome back to Who Would Win. That is better.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sorry I'm not bringing a doctor title here. But, you know, I do what I can. Showing up ready to oversee this epic matchup.
1: Well, you know, this leads us to a question, Andrew, you know, what do you think of this whole using popular and well-known characters versus characters who are not as well-known? If you had to take a side, what kind of intrigues you more?
3: I'd actually kind of like to split the difference on that one. Like, take someone really well-known, put them up against someone a little less well-known. Because Ah. as someone who loves telling stories, I love a good underdog. And uh, seeing how that might, I mean, sometimes the underdog loses. It's not a sure thing that, you know, whoever's coming from behind is going to come out victorious. But that's the sort of struggle I think would be really interesting to see.
2: Yeah, and as a Detroit Lions fan, I could speak to this. Sometimes the underdog loses for decades straight.
3: Yeah, and they they love their status as an underdog so much, right? And we
2: love it. Oh, no, we love losing. It's great.
3: I, I see how happy you are on your Twitter feed during every single Lions we game. We don't like to talk about
1: that. So, <laughs> so, so Andrea, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to ask you this last time, but I got to do it now. What's the craziest storyline you've ever written?
3: I think one of the craziest little bits I did was in the midst of telling uh, – telling a story about between uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville during the pandemic era of shooting in the WWE Performance Center. I may or may not have written a segment where uh, the Miz and John Morrison Mm. made a puppet out of Mandy Rose's cut off hair. Uh, (laughs) It had googly eyes. It Uh talked. We showed it on the little Tron we set up in the performance center. Like, I'd like to be clear, this was not my finest work, but (laughs) I cannot deny... That it was my work, and getting notes from Vince McMahon on how oh that God. hair puppet should sound was uh, <laughs> oh, that's
1: hilarious!
2: Was
3: something something kind of special.
1: <laughs> w- was Vince McMahon well known for his puppeteering or knowledge of puppetry?
3: <laughs> I I, th- I have to say, I think it's the uh, only conversation I had with him on that topic. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, and and so that was the craziest. What was the most well received storyline you ever wrote for WWE?
3: Oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be the Mandy Otis love angle back from uh, early 2020, putting those two crazy kids together, hoping they could make it, culminating with that kiss at WrestleMania. Yeah, I did. I didn't know at that point how uh, how much WWE fans at that time were hungry for just a little, little, uh, little love and smooching.
1: So would there? Okay, so would there be a you know a, a triple threat matchup of of those two and the puppet versus <laughs> another three wrestlers that you can envision to like at, at the next WrestleMania? I mean, I'm not a, a a booker here, nor am I a writer for WWE, nor do I have your credentials or your intelligence, but I do think that seems like a great match. The fans would probably never want to see.
3: Oh yeah, I, we, we, I I honestly think that that hair puppet could have held its own at the in the Sami Zayn Johnny Knoxville match from last oh, WrestleMania, and I say that I I, <laughs> I I I I love that match. I thought that was super well done in terms of those kind of goofy gimmick matches. You want to see him go big or go home, and uh, they did both. They did super well executed. <laughs> and, and if 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 at one point Sami had reached into something or Johnny had reached into something and pulled out that that stupid clump of hair with googly eyes. Oh, that man would have oh man been an
2: automatic uh, automatic win right there <laughs> I take think, it home there
3: I will say I think that most people have rightfully so struck the memory of that particular segment <laughs> from their from their mind. I probably already regret it for bringing it back up as something to be associated with my personal name but y- you know what I'm claiming it. We have our good days we have our bad days we have everything in between and I'll stand by everything I've written. Listen,
2: uh, and you when it comes down to it, you've never read, you've never written H- Henny Mae Young giving birth to a rubber hand in a in a public bathroom.
0: <laughs> so you'll kind of never
2: you'll
1: never reach the lowest <laughs> points as hard as you could ever try.
3: Oh, and I try sometimes, but but fair point, Ray. Fair point. It's
1: true. Listen, uh, Andrew, we've got a crazy good matchup today. I am so excited. Like, Ray knows I've been talking about this matchup forever. We have an amazing judge. Literally, you couldn't get anyone better for this matchup to judge what's about to happen. I'm so hyped, it's crazy. It's almost like I'm drinking Pepsi Max, although I would never do that. I'm not Mm, sure it's good for humans to drink that much at one time, race to Canis. So, Ray, with that being said, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC Comics, the hero you can't
2: lie to because he'll always smell something fishy, Aquaman. And representing Marvel Comics, the anti-hero who found his way into the heart of the storm, Namor.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to answer a joke right there. All right, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of who would win match, which are brought to you by Comixology, one of our great sponsors. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win matches a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, what version of Neymar are you using today? Comic book version, let's keep it moving. Ditto. Let's do this, right? You have an even kind of matchup, take them from even type of uh, material. This is great. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but would be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed, including air puppets putting that out there. No. Rule number six. It's a thing. It's a thing. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to WhoWouldWinStore.com to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch right now.
2: We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win Show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me.
1: And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Namor. Namor the Submariner is a half human,
2: half Atlantean who is the anti hero protector of the seas. He was created by Bill Everett and first appeared in Marvel Comics number one back in 1939. Yeah. Although there was a very small printing of Motion Picture Funnies Weekly that got distributed in movie theaters at that time where he did officially appear first. Had to put that out there. Namor has been a staple of Marvel Comics since the literal beginning. A person who commits terrible acts against humanity, but for a solid just reason, it's resonated with audiences for decades. When Namor shows up to wreck your stuff, It's usually because someone somewhere did a bad thing and hurt the ocean. Namor is super strong, durable, fast, and can communicate with and control sea creatures. Fun fact, I could bring up the fact that Namor has been a member of the Defenders, Avengers, X-Men, and the Illuminati organizations in this spot. But what really struck me, and a fact that I did not know going into today, was Namor's last name. I didn't even really realize he had a last name, but he's the offspring of a human seafarer and an Atlantean princess, which means he has a human last name. So if you didn't know, his full name is Namor McKenzie. (laughs) McKenzie! (laughs) This means that Namor is somehow related to Canada's own Bob and Doug McKenzie of Strange Brew fame. And also somehow Spuds Mackenzie, the skateboard riding dog in 20th century beer commercials. I was not ready for all of that, but that's Namor.
1: This has been a kind of a dirty secret Canadians have known for decades. Is that right? Right. Yeah. It's uh, Namor can do lots of great things. He can't play hockey. He's not a great beer drinker. Interesting. And uh, they've kind of uh, you know kicked him out. And uh, they did the same thing for me. That's why I know all these things. Hmm. So Namor, you know. Proud Canadian sometimes. All right. Well done, of Cicanas. Here are the details for Aquaman. Now, Aquaman, a.k.a. Arthur Curry, was created by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris and first appeared in More Fun Comics, number 73, way back in November of 1941. Originally, Arthur Curry was the son of a lighthouse keeper named Tom Curry and a woman named Atlanta. Tom Curry lived in Amnesty Bay, Maine and raised his son with his wife in the local lighthouse. Arthur started to manifest incredible strength and speed at a young age, as well as the ability to breathe underwater and talk to sea life on her deathbed. His mother revealed that she was an exiled queen of Atlantis and he would someday inherit rule of the seven seas. His father gave him an education and taught him to control his powers, eventually allowing him to grow up and become the superhero Aquaman. Aquaman would go on to become a founding member of the Justice League of America, along with the original founding members consisting of Batman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Superman, and, of course, Wonder Woman. And although some have poked fun at the of Atlantis in recent times, he has become a serious threat to any evildoer and is now officially one of the most powerful heroes on the planet, at least in the DC Universe. And here's an interesting fact about Aquaman. Did you know that Aquaman has a connection to, wait for it, G.I. Joe what yes, it's true back in the day I'm talking of course in the 1960s the G.I. Joe the really big G.I. Joe action figure line would sell accessories and other outfits You could put onto existing G.I. Joe figures So one of these accessories for the G.I. Joe affectionately known as captain action was a complete Aquaman set oh Consisting of oh, yeah, it's crazy a knife because that's what kids need flippers belt a conch horn Okay, uh, a trident, a costume, and even a creepy looking Aquaman face mask with hair he put over him like Michael Myers style. Really creepy. Quick question, why would Aquaman need flippers? That's like Superman kind of needing a bulletproof vest. Don't know, that was the 60s. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Andrea, do you have any questions before we get started?
3: No, besides who's going to win, so let's get to it.
1: Heck yes. All right, race to K-dush. Showdown September, it starts officially right now. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Namor. Let's just talk about his physical
2: feats, his strength, his durability, and maybe a little bit about his speed because Namor is insanely strong. He's one of the strongest characters in all of Marvel Comics, way more so than I thought he was going to be when I first started researching this character, especially when he's in the water. And let's keep it real. This fight's gonna happen in the water. Both of these characters are more powerful uh, in the water and they both gradually lose power on land. So they're gonna be strength versus strength. They're gonna keep this thing where it's comfortable. So this is a guy who literally picks up ships. And can either gently put them down on like a beach to get them out of the water, or he could throw them against rocks and demolish them. We've seen him uh, pick up uh, destroyers, submarines, sailing ships, any kind of vessel weighing in the 40,000 tons. Uh, he's just picked them up by himself and just swam around with them as if it was no big deal at all. Not just that, somebody once threw a ship at him and he caught it. He caught a gigantic vessel that somebody threw at him. It's one thing to pick it up. It's one, another thing if it's coming at you with force. He took care of that, no problem. One time in a battle, he picked somebody up and threw them into what looked like a Roman Colosseum. He did that so hard, the entire Colosseum collapsed. The entire Colosseum was destroyed. He once grabbed a shark, putting his hands on either side of his mouth, and turned the shark inside out. Truly horrifying, you're not gonna see that on Shark Week. He hit somebody so hard with a double fist shot that they just turned into a meaty blood paste spray. The body was hit so hard it basically evaporated. Insane, he was punched through thousands, thousands of tons of rock when he's needed to. So the strength level of this guy is off the rails. He took two human beings at the bottom of the ocean and threw them up to the surface. Nobody explained to Marvel Comics writers how the bends works, but they were apparently just fine. He's also fast. This is a guy who dodges gunfire when he needs to. Doesn't need to, because he's totally bulletproof. He's been shot with pistols, machine guns, everything. They just literally bounce off his face. And then he comments, that felt as if it was a light breeze to me. Silly humans. Somebody hit him with an axe. It shattered on his body. He once caught Captain America's shield when it was thrown at him, grabbed it out of midair, threw it back at Captain America, and nailed him with it. He once caught a sword in his hands when he was trying to be attacked by it. Doctor Doom shot lasers at him and missed. Those lasers go about two to three mock. what Mach two to three. Very, very fast lasers, the speed of light is, and he was able to dodge out of the way. One time, Human Torch. A character we know and love. He was overheating on land. And Namor just grabbed him, ran around with him, despite the fact that he was supernova on him, got him to the ocean to cool him down. No problem. Cyclops. James will tell you, Cyclops blasts are ridiculous. He took a full-fledged, one of the strongest Cyclops blasts I've ever seen. Not a problem. He tanked it. Captain Marvel charged up an energy punch and drilled him with it. Tanked it. No problem. Hulk. Punched him through a building, no problem. A mountain fell on his head, no problem. And one time somebody hit him with a magical hammer and he was able to survive and tank this magical hammer being hit. Why is this magical hammer important? Because the very next page of the comic, that hammer in one shot destroyed the entire city of Atlantis. He is a rough, tough specimen and he is not falling to Aquaman on this day. And that's my point number one.
1: Look, there's no denying that uh, Namor is not just an interesting character, but he's insanely powerful. But the problem is, Ray, when you kind of – and this is a running joke within comic books. One of the comments, one of the negative things, you know, tropes that DC has that people are saying, and I actually like it, is that people say, like, DC heroes and characters are so vastly overpowered compared to their Marvel counterparts and this is gonna be the exact case here. Not taking away from anything you said, because that's actually really well described, very entertaining, by the way. But Aquaman is just a notch higher, at least one notch, possibly a couple notches. Now, before I go on, I just got to make a comment. He turned a shark inside out. That's not just cruel to animals, but if he's a protector of the seven seas, that's a horrible thing to do. Like That's like, would you ever hurt your dog? Of course not. You'd be a monster to do that. That's just a huge character flaw of Namor. Uh, James, you don't know what that shark said about his mother, just for the record. Uh, Mach 2 or 3, very fast, Ray. You're right. You are incorrect, though, thinking that's close to the speed of light. Just putting that out there. And finally, again, really fast, really strong, but how does he do against, like, the upper-tier heroes and characters? I've got some oh, more on that later. I'll Let me get my to bad. my point. No- I'm sure you will. Let me get to my point number one. Let's talk about Aquaman's base powers. Let's just go, like, you know... Power for power here. So Aquaman is not just a superhuman. He's not just an Atlantean with all the superpowered abilities of people living underwater in Atlantis. He's actually a super Atlantean and is calculated to be at least or at least 50 times stronger, more powerful, faster than your average Atlantean. That's kind of like Thor compared to all the rest of the people who live in Asgard. So what does this mean in terms of powers? Just like Namor, Aquaman's strong, but Aquaman's actually insanely strong. He is kind of not there, but he's approaching Superman and Wonder Woman class type of strong. He was able to lift a, a sea liner ship that weighed 160,000 tons, and then I believe he threw it. Now, that's great what Namor did, but this is 160,000 tons tons that Aquaman was able to lift. He's so strong that he can stagger both Wonder Woman and Superman with punches. That is crazy. He's got superhuman durability. He's tough enough where bullets bounce off of him. An RPG blowing in his, blowing up in his face does nothing. He even lived through falling back to Earth after being launched into orbit. And of course, swimming at the deepest depths of the ocean with the same pressure doesn't faze him either. I think it's kind of a push in terms of durability for both these characters. Here's an interesting one. He's got energy and heat resistance. He can tank energy blasts. He even dipped into an open lava a bed under you know beneath the sea and came up from it completely unharmed he's got superhuman stamina we can fight a peak condition for days he's got superhuman hearing superhuman vision superhuman reflexes Here's the fun one, superhuman speed. He can run on land at super speed and swim at over Mach 5, which is well over 3,500 miles per hour. He's fast enough to easily dodge bullets, avoid getting hit by lasers, and can avoid lightning strikes that are shot right out of his position. Really crazy. He can jump super high, literally jump over tall buildings, and can jump up to six miles away with one leap. That's something that kind of the Hulk is known for doing. Aquaman can do the same thing. He's also got a healing factor. That's fun. He's got sonar that helps him to detect what's around him for miles at a time. He's also got inherent magical abilities, but the way this really manifests is that he can resist magic spells. Remember, Atlantis within the DC comics, it's super science meets super magic. So his capability is magical in some part as well as just scientifically based. Of course, there's his marine telepathy. Look, Namor's got some marine telepathy, but that's like, you know, raise a strong guy. But put him against me at the gym, and you're like, oh, damn, the definition of strength is completely redefined watching James bench press. That's the same kind of comparison for Aquaman when he uses his marine telep- telepathy. Look, he doesn't just communicate with the animal life, he commands uh, these animal life and sea creatures to do his bidding. Need an army of kaiju sized monsters living at the bottom of the sea to come fight for you? Not a problem. Need 1,000 whales. To slow someone down, not a problem. Need to telepathically weaken a person and make them do your bidding, even if they're not a sea creature? He's done that as well. He took a white Martian. This is someone who's super powerful, of course, Superman-class powerful. And the white Martian's like, I'm going to destroy you, you're Aquaman, you're nothing. And Aquaman said, that's cute. I'm going to cause a seizure in your brain and make you die right now, or at least pass out. And he did, because that's what he does. See, unlike Namor, when it comes to the and sea creatures, Aquaman doesn't just talk and communicate with sea life. He controls it completely and right or wrong. The billions of creatures that exist at sea, at sea life will gladly sacrifice themselves. This is horrible, but they will in order to serve and protect Aquaman. That is a fact Good luck, Namor. You're going to need it. That's my point number one.
2: I mean, James, of course, you're overstating maybe outright falsehoods uh, over and over again. The idea that Aquaman would punch Superman and he would feel it. Superman and Aquaman have tangled several times, and Aquaman has never hung with Superman in any reasonable way. Uh, he has never made Superman bleed with a punch, for example. Just not anything that's actually legitimate. Uh, but at the end of the day, even in DC Comics, Harley Quinn and Catwoman have punched Superman and hurt him before. So let's not you know let's not pretend like one sucker punch at one point is really worth anything. Aquaman, it doesn't even approach what Superman is doing. But the thing that you're really not talking about is first off, Namor actually can, unlike Aquaman, Namor can actually control all the beings of the sea, can actually summon sea creatures. There's this storyline in the deeply weird Aquaman lexicon where he couldn't control sharks. There were sharks and they were causing trouble and Aquaman's telepathy didn't work on the sharks because he's not really that good at it, you know? So what did he have to do? He controlled giant shrimp and made them learn how to box, and they punched the sharks in the nose, these giant shrimp did, so the sharks would leave everybody alone. Why is that important? Because he couldn't control the sharks. He had to control a lesser sea creature than that. Whereas, Namor uh, can summon uh, uh, monsters from the ocean, such as giganto who is a gigantic kaiju size so i you know you're overstating what aquaman can do i've shown you clear weaknesses i won't even bring up the party clown that was aquaman's sidekick named aqua melvin who got a blood transfusion or something from aquaman and he gained aquaman's powers and was a clown because dc comics would just assume you also
1: forget about that character I love how you quote comic books from, I'm assuming, the 50s and 60s and thinking that all that is what is current with Aquaman in the past 15 to 20 years.
2: I believe that the entire history of a character is on, the, uh, is on the door. James, I don't like to pretend like you do that only the last three months of a character are what counts. I like to look at the entirety of a character to learn about who this character is, what they do, and how they would act.
1: Uh, so much wrong with what you're saying, but we will discuss this so further. So much true
2: about what I'm saying. Unlike you, I actually have legitimate claims that have legitimate stories behind them. I don't tell half truths, James. I tell the whole truth.
1: Uh, race to Canis, race to Canis. First of all, debating whether you can read things that way. Okay, I will. I will talk more about this. My points number two, number three. Andrea, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far?
3: Ah, uh, well, it does seem like in September fashion that this matchup is pretty even on paper. Uh, I think something that you said, James, stuck out with me, and I I tend to agree, and it's not contradictory to anything that Ray said. In a lot of ways, their defense mechanisms are almost a push. So I really think it's going to come down to some of these next arguments in terms of not just their powers, but their method of approach and any historical... And yes, I use the word historical for this is real. It's real to me. Uh how they would approach this matchup uh, beyond just what they can do and what they have done. It's more of what they will do uh, in this particular scenario because their abilities are so shockingly similar. Mm
1: -hmm. Interesting. Okay. That is, uh, that plays into my points. I love it. All right, race to Canis, let's continue this battle. Hit us with your point. Number two. Point
2: number two for Namor, I did already bring up the uh, summoning the sea monsters, summoning uh, giant uh, creatures uh, from the deep that he would absolutely do and have full control over them. I believe that if Aquaman and Namor both told a sea creature to do something, he's gonna listen to Namor over Aquaman, and I've already given you times when creatures didn't listen to Aquaman. I challenge James to find those times with Namor, and he can't. So, let's talk a little bit more about his other powers. First off, he has a healing factor when he's in the water which means even if aquaman does get some shots in on him he's just gonna very very quickly heal himself back up again like he was wolverine like he was deadpool when he's in the water namor basically cannot be beat but when out of the water he has one ability that aquaman could only dream of and that's the power of flight Unlike Aquaman, who's stuck riding porpoises on strings and putting his feet on two little fish and f- and zipping around just above the ocean surface, Namor has little wings because he is a mutant. He is an alpha level mutant on top of everything else that he is. That's why he was part of the X-Men and he can fly through the air. And when one character can fly, James, you've said it yourself on the show, and the other character can't fly, the one who can't fly is at a severe disadvantage. And not just that, Namor's abilities in the ocean. He has what's known as ocean vision, which means no matter how murky, how dark it gets, he can see everything that he needs to see. His sensory abilities in the ocean allowed him to tell, and the story goes, On the other side of the planet, there was a school of fish that immediately turned left. And he knew about it on the other side of the planet because he can sense literally everything that happens in the water. There's nothing that Aquaman's going to be able to do that he's not going to see coming a mile away and have plenty of answers for. And Aquaman is not the dumbest character, even though he's been portrayed as pretty dumb many times, very hot-headed, very dumb... Namor is the opposite of that. Namor is a scholar. Namor is somebody who trained with all of the great Atlantean scholars and is very smart. He speaks, I believe, every single language on Earth and a bunch of sea languages as well. Can't say Aquaman does that. Aquaman just doesn't have the same acumen. He can run over and try to punch something, but Namor is the guy who's going to be able to plan out an entire battle. He's the one that's going to be able to see the weaknesses and take advantage of them. And he could also use the environment. You know, he's got a tidal wave over New York City. He created a tidal wave that clomped on top of New York City. Crazy. But I also want to talk about a very important mystical artifact that Namor has as well. It's called the Trident of Neptune. This is made of enchanted, magical adamantine, which I, I don't know enough about the Marvel properties, but I have to imagine that similar to adamantium. It is that it's very, very unbreakable, very, very sharp, very, very hard, and magical... This is a trident that blocked Thor's hammer when Thor tried to hit him with it. He was able to parry it out of the way. Thor's hammer don't stop for nothing except apparently the trident of Neptune when Namor is wielding it. But he can also use it to uh, manipulate water, create very powerful jet streams, create the tidal wave you saw. Uh, He can create water elementals, so he can make creatures uh, appear from nothing and do his attacking for him, and he can control the waves and currents. But also, he can shoot mystical beams out of it. Laser beams. He can shoot laser beams out of the trident, and he can do mystic formation, which is a unique power that transforms objects. He can actually do a molecular manipulation with the trident of Neptune and change what it is, what its abilities are, and what powers it can have, and what properties that it has, can give it abilities. So at the end of the day, if he gets a shot off with the mystic formation on Aquaman, he's not Aquaman anymore, and he's going down in this fight, which we all saw coming a mile away. If it was underwater, Namor saw it coming from the other side of the world. And that's my
1: point number two. So much wrong with what... It. Let me address a couple of things in the first part. Number one, Aquaman has no problems de- you know, commanding sharks to do what they want. When Darkseid attacked the Earth, this was the new 52. I hated the storyline, but it was cool what Aquaman did. He commanded the sharks not only to attack, but also to jump in the air and take out Darkseid's minions, the flying parademons, taking them out. He had complete control of the sharks. Secondly, Namor is known for controlling sea life by finding... Objects like those conch shells which calls on animals to come out because he summons them using these objects it's not like he is bidding them to come in there eh,
2: telepathy in fact, James in fact uses telepathy and always in fact, Stop it always again your in deception
1: in fact there are two cases very clear cases where if he had such awareness of animals and everything he wouldn't have been defeated by being caught by surprise by very large uh, sea creatures that kind of came out of nowhere to attack him which which is interesting if you have such great control, how could that happen, although it did. On top of that, the trident of Neptune, this is kind of a fun thing, it's a thing. He knows how to use it as kind of like a melee weapon, but it's known within Marvel. He doesn't know how to use all of its powers properly. It's like having a wand from Harry Potter and you're like, hey, I know how to hit someone with this and you know, whip that stick really fast. So it stings a lot whenever I hit someone with it, but you don't know how to cast spells that well. You've got like a one out of 10 in terms of that kind of knowledge. That is Namor. In fact, there's a human within the Marvel universe who's actually the true owner Uh, And and a person who possesses the Trident of Neptune because that person learned how to use it the right way with all of its capabilities. That's not something really known to be used or held by Namor. It's not usually a thing. Now, with all that being said, let me get to my point number two, because I'm not talking about anything similar to the Trident of Neptune. In fact, I'm talking about the Trident of Poseidon. Something completely different. Sure, it's a trident, but it's Poseidon. Let me get to the point. The trident of Poseidon is capable of controlling any body of water. It can create water elementals, which are beings made of water that do Aquaman's bidding. It can create fog, storms of high intensity, summon waves of water to propel Aquaman at great speeds. It can even create earthquakes by increasing water pressure. can manipulate and conjure water in the form of attacks, shoot energy in the form of electrical bolts, and can create super powerful magical force fields. That's fun. It can also do molecular manipulation, in case you were wondering. The trident has command over the storm and ocean, winds and rain. It has command over the earth and can generate earthquakes, rock formations be created from out of nowhere and other seismic activity. And if it wasn't enough for you, it can conjure up ice, intense ice and cold. It can teleport Aquaman short as well as huge distances away. And can call down heavy thunder and lightning to strike enemies. This is cool stuff. Even more fun is the fact that the trident enables Aquaman to fly. How much fun is that? Now, fun fact, according to DC Comics, Aquaman has the ability to fly on his own. And he's been shown to fly to, on a few occasions within DC Comics. I don't consider him to be a flyer without this, but the Trident absolutely gives him the ability to fly and to fly at super speed and to fly he's a master of it. Remember, he gains a lot of knowledge and has also applied a lot of his own Time to master the Trident of Poseidon. This is something that Aquaman is known for. It's pretty much why he's the king of Atlantis, because he knows how to use this object really well. And to make things even more insane, the Trident gives Aquaman's already incredible powers this huge power boost, which means his strength, durability, speed, marine telepathy, all of this gets a massive increase. So, how strong is the Trident itself? Well, it was powerful enough for Aquaman to conjure up a super powerful tidal wave. That dispatched an army of Kryptonians. Now I don't know what dispatch really means in this con- context. This is the official DC Marvel, a uh, DC Wiki. Dispatch typically means it kills them. I don't think it killed them, I think it just meant it was strong enough to knock them out of the way. These are Superman class people, an army of them, and Aquaman is able to create a tidal wave strong enough to knock them around. It's the Trident's power enough to gore the god-like Kryptonian. It's a, a Kryptonian god called Rao, which is the god of the sun in Krypton, and a Gordon relative ease. And it's sharp and very durable enough, obviously, to cut and kill Superman if he had to do it. Or at least cut Superman, I should say. On top of all that, Aquaman, just like Namor's in this you know, particular concept, he's an expert in using all of its abilities combatively, but he's also in, in just like a general combat type of weapon. So in terms of you know using it as a weapon on the, as a, against your opponent, just a weapon, yeah, I think Aquaman's also a master of it just like Namor's. But in terms of mastering all of its other capabilities, Aquaman is absolutely there. See, When it comes to fighting Aquaman, he's really on another level. He's had former military training from Atlantis. He's been trained by Wonder Woman, you know, DC Comics, Ultimate Warrior. On top of that, Aquaman has even received specialized training from Batman. That's pretty awesome. This is why in a fight against Superman without a trident, Aquaman can hold his own for a short while. Think of the Trident, you know, again, it's a similar weapon to Thor's Hammer, and just like Thor's Hammer, the Trident of Poseidon has to be given to you by Poseidon himself. And as great as Namor is, because he actually pretty is awesome, he's he's pretty awesome. He doesn't have a super powerful magical weapon like the trident that he can use the same way. That is a clear advantage for Aquaman, and that is my point number two.
2: Now you're you're over uh, as usual, James, your ability to tell the truth is 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 stretched much greatly. You know, last week, James made his reference that the character of Necron and all the Black Lanterns was was soloed by Green Lantern Jon Stewart. And one of our great listeners out there posted the screen cap of what James was talking about and it was literally Green Lantern Jon Stewart getting overwhelmed and running away from that fight. Hardly the solo deal. So when James says literally anything to you, remember he's probably not telling you the full story or maybe the truth at all. I'll put it out there. Now, look, mental powers. James actually came on the record and says Namor doesn't use telepathy, mental communication. He uses objects. That is just plain not true. True. Namor from day one has been telepathically linked to all creatures of the sea. Now maybe he can get snuck up on by a large creature coming behind him. Well, I guess, it, and I don't know the actual story James is talking about. I've never heard about it. He could have just made it up. But he also has to be. He also has to talk to the creature to get it on his side. It doesn't happen automatically. Now you talk about mental powers and Aquaman, and I wanted to address that because at one point Namor was mentally strong enough to push Doctor Strange out of his mind. If you. you. You could push Doctor Strange out of your mind, Aquaman is not going to be a problem. And this trident, now only in the last few years, makes Aquaman fly. I guess they needed him to be able to hang with uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, and everybody else he hangs with who can fly, so he's not waving down from the ground waiting for somebody to pick him up. But if he's disarmed of that trident, he falls and he's going to fall down to earth real, real hard. Not the same could be true of Namor. So lots and lots and lots to push back on Mr. James Gavsey, who I just have to realize I have to work three times as hard because to refute nonsense is
1: a degree harder
2: than to invent nonsense,
1: James. So this is nonsense from the Marvel and DC official wiki of the characters. I'm glad, you know,
2: I actually read comics and use scans, but you know, you read an encyclopedia that leaves out important information, or do you leave out important information?
1: Nor, I guess Marvel or DC know nothing about their own characters. When you go to their website, they're like, here's our official thing. Okay, that's fair. All right, Andrea, we are at the turning point, where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, you have to tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win, but... Before we get to what Andrea has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today?
2: Today's patron, we're going to go back to Knowledge himself. He's back, he's a superstar, and Knowledge himself is back in the hot
1: seat. Look, Knowledge himself is coming off a very strong win, so we got to give him a very strong opponent. Let's see how he does against Supergirl. Against Supergirl. Oof. Now,
2: Supergirl's rough. And here's the thing. Knowledge himself, as we already established in previous episodes, knows everything. He is knowledge himself. And so Supergirl's going to grab him. She's going to think this is a cakewalk. She's going to go to punch him. But he's going to move just slightly because he knew that punch was coming because he knows everything. She's going to punch again, immediately dodge. She's like, I'm so much faster than you. Why can I not get in a shot? She's going to grab him like a bear hug and she's going to fly him up. She's going to fly Knowledge himself up into space, but he knew he was going there. So he's had a special breathing apparatus already set up. I think it was like a little pill and he took the pill and now he can breathe in space. I don't know how it works. Knowledge himself does. And she's going to fly him directly into the heart of the sun. But again, he knew that that was going to happen. So he was prepared for it. So he... I don't know, had a special lotion that made him impervious to the sun. I don't again know, but Knowledge himself knows. And at the end of the day, Supergirl's going to give up. She's going to say, no matter what I do to this guy, he already knows it's going to happen. He's already got an answer. This is way more powerful than Batman, quite honest. And she battlefield removes herself to think about how to beat him on a future day. Knowledge himself, just from knowing things, wins that battle.
1: You know, this makes sense. That's a, that old expression. And, and a Supergirl applies to the Supergirl is powerful, but knowledge is power. Thank you. I don't know. I just, I just by the way, I, I like that lotion. Good reference. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com who would win show and sign up and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of who would win. Andrea, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory?
3: I think right now, this matchup is a little bit of a a tale of two tridents, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, between these two tridents, Aquaman has the slight edge, given his mastery of said trident versus Namor's non-true owner possession ability to harness 100% of that trident's power. There's still definitely a window for Namor to come back because there are some other... Points that I do feel go to Namor over Aquaman. So it's still anyone's game, still anyone's to win, but also still anyone's to lose. So no pressure, Mm. guys. No pressure.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, it's times like this where I wish that very famous uh, hair puppet (laughs) <laughs> could, could come, come to life and just give me some counsel right now because this is, I'm sweating. This is a tough battle and Namor is not a uh, an opponent you can sleep on and Rey's bringing his A game. All right, Ray, let's do this. Hit us for your point number three.
2: Point number three for Namor. And I'm just going to tell you the difference between these two characters because essentially Namor is what would happen if Aquaman was actually cool. If Aquaman actually was rad, he would just be Namor. Because we'll start here. First off, the Trident. James says this nonsense about he's too dumb to know how the Trident works. A more logical and what has actually been interpreted with the with the Trident thing is that he feels honor-bound not to use it at its full potential all the time. However... That honor-bound distinction could easily go away when fighting for control of Atlantis against the other king of Atlantis. At that point, he would absolutely use the trident to its full ability. Let me just put that out there. Now, the difference here is the better villains. The people that Aquaman has fought, look, his biggest villain is Black Manta, which is a guy in a scuba suit with a giant helmet on his head. Great I mean, he fights all of these weird, random, sea-based characters. Whereas Namor fights the creme de la creme of the Marvel Universe all the time. When Namor shows up on shore, everybody knows something's about to get wrecked. And they don't just send anybody. They send the mightiest heroes physically possible to deal with Namor. When Aquaman shows up on land, they'll send, like, Narwhal. A character named Narwhal. That's who they send out to fight Aquaman. Why? Because he's not actually that big of a threat compared to Namor. So at the end of the day, here are some actual fights that Namor actually fought. He fought Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer has the power cosmic. So literally, he is the Herald of Galactus. One of the most powerful beings that you're going to find in a standard Marvel story. He fought Silver Surfer to a draw. He was able to get Silver Surfer down into the water where he is in his element and Silver Surfer could not beat him. That fight eventually stopped because Namor was just trying to get his attention to talk some sense into him and Silver Surfer listened. Why? Because it was Namor who was talking and he also couldn't beat him. He has a win over the Incredible Hulk. He punched the Incredible Hulk so ridiculously hard that Incredible Hulk turned back into Bruce Banner after getting hit. That's a level of power not seen anywhere else. He beat She-Hulk and Luke Cage. He was able to bring Luke Cage into the water, incapacitate him, came up and then threw Luke Cage at She-Hulk so hard it took her out as well. The Thing from Fantastic Four was also there and he would have whooped Thing next if he hadn't been magically teleported away. One time Super Scroll. Super Skrull is a, is a character that hasn't appeared in the MCU really yet, but those scroll characters, this is one that has the combined abilities of the entire Fantastic Four. And Namor beat him up, destroyed his doomsday machine, and won the day. Another character he did that to, Magneto, one of the most powerful Omega-level mutants on the planet, and he was able to destroy his machine and walk away. He hit Dr. Doom, another cosmic level threat, he hit Dr. Doom so hard that Dr. Doom was ejected from the ship that they were standing on, and Dr. Doom made the wise choice not to come back. He battlefield removed Dr. and Doom. He punched blood out of Sentry. Sentry is a Superman-level godlike character. He punched Sentry so hard, blood shot out of his mouth. You didn't see Aquaman do that to Superman because he's not as powerful. The Eternal named Icarus has also had blood punched out of his mouth, as well as Hercules, as well as a little character named Thanos. Namor punched Thanos so hard that he started bleeding and toppled over. Where is Aquaman coming for this? Iron Man and Thor both attacked Namor at the same time underwater with a fully charged attack. And all Namor did was stick out both his hands... And he grabbed the hammer with one, grabbed Iron Man's arms with the other, and stopped both from their attacks just by putting out his hands. He k- KO'd Wolverine with one punch. And one of my favorite ones, Venom. We love Venom. Venom's hard to beat. Venom beat Superman in a crossover battle once, James will tell you. Well, he was able to keep Venom from uh, symbiosising with him. He was able to punch Venom. He hit Venom so hard, Venom got knocked unconscious, and then he ripped the tongue out of Venom's mouth and threw it next to him because he didn't like the way Venom was talking to him. At the end of the day, one of these people beats cosmic-level threats, and the other one talks to fish and fights a guy in a speed suit. That's the difference between these two, and that's my point number three.
1: You know, there's no denying Namor's fought some really good fights, really entertaining fights within the Marvel Universe. But, you know, in crossover events, he's fallen a little short. Uh, you know, in terms of, like, galactic-level threats, Augman's fought and beaten quite a few. The best example of that is a character named Despero. I mentioned him, I think, in the last episode. Despero is this big, huge, humanoid-looking dude with a that reverse kind of fin on his head. Um, he has that eye in the middle, of the, that third eye kind of going on. He's Quite possibly the most powerful telepath in the DC universe, at least was at one point. And Aquaman took him on physically. He's a Superman-class being. Aquaman took him on and then beat him at his own game with telepathy. That's a pretty impressive win over there. Uh, In terms of all these other things that Namor's done, you got to remember, he's done some great stuff, and he's also fallen real, really short and kind of had some questionable moments. And I think that's the best way to kind of say it. And before I get to my point number three, the last thing I'm going to say is, Batman within the DC universe thought that Aquaman not only was a world level threat, but was trying every use all of his resources to track Aquaman and Atlantis for that member, but specifically Aquaman with what he was doing within the ocean, where he was going, because he said, if you attack us... It could quite possibly be game over for the world with all of your resources, and especially what Aquaman can do. All right, let me get to my point number three. Let's talk about some big wins for Aquaman. Of course, Aquaman has a long history, just like Namor does, does of battling and beating opponents. But let's talk about relevant wins that kind of demonstrate his power and what he can do. So let's see. Uh, he's, he beats. This is actually cool a creature that's known as an Elder God, known as a Night God. Uh, This Night God is an absolutely massive, kaiju-sized, powerful being with a face made of tentacles, classified as an Elder God within the DC Universe, and Aquaman has a win over that thing. He beat a god named Triton, who's the son of Poseidon, and it took him a while, but Aquaman beat a water-based god, who was the son of the god of water. That is pretty interesting, because here's the thing, you gotta go, you know, apples to apples here, you know, potato, potato, whatever. But you got to kind of say, what are the, the things that kind of make these two characters equate? Put them in that same kind of environment and let's see who comes out ahead. And now, let me kind of explain why Aquaman really, really comes out all of this. He also beat Namor. Yeah, I know. We're debating that right now. But, Ray, you know where I'm going with this. I had to bring this in. In that same comic book series where Venom came in and did quite well against Superman. Didn't beat him, but did quite well before they got broken up. In that series, Aquaman actually took on Namor directly and he beat Namor. And I'll talk about why that's so important in a second. Now let's talk about Namor's weaknesses because he's got a few. He has an oxygen imbalance. It's true. According to the official Marvel Wiki, and this also is supported by different comic books, Namor has demonstrated a vulnerability to oxygen imbalance when remaining too long in either water or air that's crazy. This results in manic depressive mood swings, and these mood swings cause him to make mad decisions, bad decisions during fights. Also makes him leave the field of battle if his mood dictates it. If he's just like done with the fight for some reason, he just leaves. That's crazy. He's bipolar. I do not like making fun of this. It's not a cool thing. This is just something he's got. Namor is believed to be in the midst of a bipolar imbalance during the times in which he becomes angry very easily. Uh, He's known for becoming angry very easily, and he's also unable to think clearly and logically during this time, and this has also led him to lose fights. He's got kind of a glass jaw this is interesting he's not hard to knock out if you hit him in the jaw in the face again according to the Marvel wiki it states that though the complete circumstances are unknown if hit just right Namor has at times succumb to that's a horrible word has been knocked out to physical head injuries very easily such as being knocked out by a lead pipe wielded by a normal human this is, by the way, something we see a lot in boxing and MMA, which is you know, that the more you're knocked out, the easier it is to knock you out. Conversely, augment does not have that kind of problem, nor the head trauma. Namor, just like Ray Sicanus, is very arrogant. He thinks he's God's gift to women and other female species as well, and that he's the greatest warrior ever. He thinks that all the time, and that also causes him to make mistakes in battle. When he was fighting The Thing... In the depths of the ocean, the Thing is that big, huge, rock, orange, rocky creature from the Fantastic Four. One of my favorites, by the way. And the Thing is fighting Namor in the ocean. You would think Namor has every advantage you can think of. The Thing is a big, huge, rocky type of being who can't swim that well. Well, all of a sudden, as they're fighting... Thing is actually hitting him in the face, boxing the whole thing. Namor's hitting him, and all of a sudden, from nowhere, Namor is surprised by a massive monster-sized fish that appears out of nowhere behind him. He got caught by surprise. Now, to Namor's credit, he swims under it, grabs its tail, and tries to slam it into the thing, but also hits himself in the process. Remember that glass jaw? And he kind of goes down for a second. The thing rips the fangs off the fish and then pins Namor to the ground. And says you're done, and then you know Namor can't do anything. So the thing's like great. And he just walks away and swims out of the ocean. The thing bit, beat Namor in the freaking ocean where Namor got caught by surprise by a big huge fish. That's kind of crazy. Here's a bit a big one. Unlike Aquaman, very powerful heat-based attacks cause fast and severe dehydration, which causes Namor's body to dry out faster and become weakened at an accelerated rate. This is crazy, which means if Aquaman hits him with energy blasts or lightning strikes from the Trident, which are also insanely hot, Namor will get weakened super fast. This can happen in water as well. Remember, in that specific Marvel DC crossover event from the 90s, right? this is what I was alluding to earlier, Aquaman beat Namor by using his marine telepathy to command a killer whale to jump out of the ocean, into the air, and land on Nabor, thereby knocking him out. Where's your marine telepathy? Where's your awareness of sea creatures when or an orca can jump out and just land on you? By the way, the orca, big whale, but not the biggest whale around, and it was an orca that knocked him out. This time around, Aquaman has a trident of Poseidon, marine telepathy that can call in literally billions of sea creatures, kaiju-sized and all the way to the size of microbes to attack Namor directly and inside his insidey places, and Aquaman doesn't have the glass jaw or the mental conditions Namor currently has. On top of all that, Aquaman doesn't have the arrogance to think he's going to win this fight easily. He's in this for a long haul. So, in the end, Namor just doesn't have all the tools, weapons, and attacks Aquaman has, and Aquaman doesn't have any of the weaknesses of Namor, which has led to many of his documented losses. That's why Namor loses, that's why Aquaman wins, and that's my point number three.
2: Boy, you know, remember I said before, James doesn't tell you the whole story on a lot of this stuff? The battle between, the crossover battle, which already carries less weight, between Aquaman and Namor was voted on by the fans. Of The fans literally voted who was going to win. It had nothing to do with the writing. It had nothing to do with anything. It was literally a poll, and Aquaman won the poll, so Aquaman won the fight. Therefore, that fight should be absolutely disregarded and discounted because they didn't have a choice in the matter. And you talk about, oh, the extreme heat will will va- vaporize Namor. He carried a supernova-ing human torch to the water and had no problem with it meanwhile aquaman actually has that weakness he was beaten by batman who hit him with foam he hit him with foam that dried out his skin and aquaman was paralyzed as a direct result and then that god fight james likes to pretend things Look, i told you about legitimate beating hulk silver surfer all of these characters dr doom those are real fights that really happened this one that poseidon's son triton was coming down to fight Aquaman. What James didn't tell you about this battle is that Triton's strength and power was directly related to the number of worshipers and followers he has. And he didn't have very many followers at the time that fight took place. So Aquaman roughed him up because he wasn't really that powerful. And James wants to bring up all these old times when Namor... Remember, James says, oh, old things don't count for Aquaman. Let me tell you about that time a human hit Namor with a lead pipe and knocked him out. Which happened forever ago. So James, it's a, you can't be hypocritical in this. Let's not forget Aquaman's first appearance. Nazis dropped a hammer on his head and then defeated him by throwing him where in the ocean while he was tied up. And if it wasn't for porpoises saving him, he would have been killed. People that have defeated Aquaman, the fisherman with titanium fishing line, has defeated him. Ocean Master has absolutely destroyed Aquaman. Narwhal, his wife, Mera. His wife, Mera, he's never beaten her. She kicks his butt and throws him out of the castle every time she needs to. And let's not forget in the deceased comic book, Zombified Aquaman, who is still powerful, was killed from a half mile away by Green Arrow shooting an arrow at his head. At the end of the day, (laughs) Namor's more powerful. He's got better wins against better characters that don't have all this malarkey around it. And Aquaman is going down. Let's right the wrong of that vote all those years
1: ago. That same series that you quoted where Superman was getting it from Venom.
2: Uh, James, you're the one who brought that to my attention in the first place, so I'm just bringing up ideas it. that you put there. So the
1: series that you, you you quote is like really significant, but then can't count as really significant. I'm just trying to figure out the logic here.
2: I'm just saying if the result of a battle is due to a fan's vote, then that battle probably shouldn't be taken seriously on a narrative level.
1: Still couldn't see the Orca coming. Andrea, it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Namor and Aquaman.
3: Well, there's a lot of good points made on both sides with these two characters that are, on paper, again, very, very similar. Uh, uh, before I go into my reasoning, I will like to say that I, I really do like the premise that my singular vote here is of greater importance than the vote of the fans in the crossover <laughs> episode. For
1: absolutely,
2: that
3: is exactly as I see it, and I, I, I think you both for seeing it the same way, obviously.
1: Absolutely, it's only logical. It's
3: only logical. Um, I will say I, I also think it's interesting that earlier in this podcast we talked about the journey of the the underdog and how interested it is to see a story where the underdog would ultimately emerge triumphant. And I think based on some of the logic that both of you have thrown out, I think there is a clear underdog, and we do have a little bit of an underdog story at play here because one thing that you keep bringing up James over and over and again is some of the arrogance of Namor, the fact that, You know, he sometimes flies a little off the handle, can make mistakes in battle. Uh, I think in the last point you mentioned how Aquaman was in it for the long haul, and because he doesn't take winning for granted, he might have a little bit of an edge. I don't think you're wrong about that. However, I think in this case, uh, this might be one of those situations where the underdog doesn't pull it out in the end. I think at the end of the day, Ray's made some very good points about the sort of win-loss record that Namor has within the Marvel Universe. And as much as people like to think that anything could happen in a battle between two people, which is often the case, win-loss records do matter. And some of the examples that he's thrown out should not only show ingenuity, for example, like beating She-Hulk by throwing another super strong person, Luke Cage, into She-Hulk, but just generally the diverse of the type of opponents that Namor has emerged victorious against, I gotta, I gotta give it, I gotta give it to Namor. The underdog's not gonna win this fight. There's a lot of good points, but again, it's not the who's I, nice. It's not the who's nicer to animals show. It's not the who has more heart show. It's the who would win show, and that's why Namor, again, in a vote that is greater than any fans, any poll, any amounts. The singular voice of me, Namor would win.
1: I got to disagree with you on one thing and one thing only because I think your analysis is brilliant, by the way. I do think Namor was the underdog in this fight. And the one weakness, and it's not even a weakness. It's something you brought up and Ray did a great job with this. Aquaman typically has his best showings when he's part of the Justice League. That's just how he's been written. Namor, I do agree, has a lot more solo feats that are memorable. So if you had to say there was one weakness, and, Ray, again, great job on your part, it's that Aquaman doesn't have the the depth of solo defeats on the same the, level. The depth? The, the, depth. Depth?
2: Ah. Yeah. the See, depth? Yes. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing. For many decades, Aquaman was written as basically a silly clown character that nobody took seriously. Only in the last decade or so... Has Aquaman been written to be a force of some sorts? Meanwhile, from 1939 forward, Namor has been kicking every butt in the Marvel Universe, sometimes two on Sunday.
3: Well, and here's the thing, James. You presented a very strong argument too of our more recent conception of Aquaman, and and because that's what's pre- what you presented, like I had no choice but to take that. So, tip of the hat to that. Uh, but I I still think he is he is coming a little bit from behind. Like despite all of those things, he he does. More consistently play the more, uh, the more stable superhero, for lack of a better way to put it. Yep. And uh, that's great. I'm sure his personal life is a little more pulled together than Namor's, but might not always uh, help him out in the heat of a battle.
1: No, I, this is why I love this show, by the way, because when when you know a point is brought up and then the judge really kind of zeroes in on it th- in a really cool way, and and it makes sense. I feel like, hey, I left it all on the battlefield, but the, the, the argument was really, really good. That one small little point, which isn't really so small, which is what's your what are your wins? What have you done as a solo character? Because it's a solo fight. It's not the Justice League versus the X-Men or Avengers or whatever team uh, Namor is part of. So I can't be upset with this whatsoever. I think there's a lot of credibility to it. Could have gone either way. But again, the judge's decision was so brilliant and sound. I'm OK with this decision.
2: Hey, for the record, I am too. That's <laughs> I, was gonna Ray- ask,
1: I was going to ask how Ray feels about that to get to that race to <laughs> this is your first victory of uh showdown september tell the legion of audience how you feel right now
2: well it's not my first victory of showdown september ever this is like the fourth year we've done it
1: 2022
2: yes and obviously i'm gonna go five and zero in showdown september this year it's only a matter of time until i put together this kind of easy win streak see at the end of the day at the end of the day I do the work, people. I will go deep. I wanted this one a little bit more. I was a little bit. I was a lot disappointed by some of the results that we've had lately of the Minecraft Steve episodes. We're getting five-star review after five-star review of people saying that 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 particular Kevin Goatee decision was hogwash because Steve can't die in creative mode, and I put that on the table. I'll just say right now, everyone listening – Give us more five-star reviews that say that because you are absolutely correct. In fact, I've overruled the judge's decision on that battle and taken that win for myself. I don't know if I need to put it to a vote. I don't think I have to put it to a vote. Minecraft Steve beat Superman in that episode. You're just going to have to live with it. Now, at the end of the day, this battle, Namor is more powerful than Aquaman. I didn't even bring up the fact that Aquaman, the goof who lost to the fisherman, a guy with titanium fishing line... Aquaman got into business, Aquaman got into business with a toy maker making something called the Aqua Dolls, which are action figures of Aquaman, and Aquaman said, hey, he didn't say stop doing it, he said cut me in, and he gave Aquaman 50% of the money, and Aquaman created, what did Aquaman create with that money, because he didn't keep it, he created Aquaman's home for semen. Of course, I'm referring to people that worked in the Navy and otherwise on the ocean as perhaps a retirement community for old salty sailors. What is going on in Aquaman comics is what I'm trying to say. Namor should have won this battle based on that fact alone, but I did not want to influence the judge because it had nothing to do with fighting acumen. It's just how ridiculous Aquaman is. That's what- At the end of the day, great decision, James. Great decision, Andrea. I believe I'm the best. Hashtag Ray is right. At Almighty Ray, Victory Friday. You know we're going to do it. You know you love it. Let's make this party start. Showdown September, 5-0. Mark it
1: down. Yeah, that's not important. The real weakness of Aquaman, by the way, wasn't any of what you just said, Ray. It was the fact that he led the mo- the least popular version of the Justice League ever. It's on record, by the way, Andrea. He led Justice League Detroit. <laughs> Yeah. And oddly enough, that didn't last super long because the characters How on the team you. left. I guess there was something about Detroit. People didn't want to live there.
2: You know what happened?
1: Robocop kicked them out. Well yeah,
2: played. Well played.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I was praying Ray wasn't going to bring that up, but that, that's his true weakness. All right. Listen, Andrew, you are amazing. Great judge as always. And uh, I love it when a judge just has this impeccable logic and kind of brings great reasoning to it in such a way where I'm like, you know, what? I'm actually very satisfied with this decision. Well done on your part. Please, Come back to the show And tell our listeners The Legion of Audience Where they can find you online
3: They can find me on Twitter I'm at Andrea underscore ML uh, On twitter.com See the stuff I say And retweet It's a journey
1: I've heard of Twitter That's a great place
3: Yeah 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 The bird app The bird app They call it Uh, Only good things happen there Nothing bad Never So wait on in
1: Great place for kids By the way All right, Ray Congratulations. You did a great job today. Uh, this was all it. you. I can't say the judge helped you out. I can't say anything. You actually did a wonderful, matchful job on this. You did like what I would call a James Gabsy level of job on this debate. By the way, just a little mm. point. All my stuff I brought up was legit 100% all good stuff today. Except
2: all the parts you left out today, James. Thankfully, I did the research and I knew.
1: The parts I left out from the Marvel and DC official. Okay. Ray, tell our fan base, Legion of Violence, where they can find you.
2: You can find me, of course, on Twitter, at AlmightyRay, as I already said, James. You should listen to Reclaimed Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. All five episodes are now out. That's all five you're gonna get right now. Each episode, a half an hour, an irreverent noir of its own different genre and type. Vampires in Detroit in the 90s. Fully voiced. Original music. What more do I have to say? I wrote it. It's great. Reclaimed Detroit a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama, wherever
1: you audio drama your podcasts. Again, I hate to say it, but uh, Reclaim Detroit is awesome. I highly recommend it. Check it out. Pretty great show. It's a great show, great talent. Uh, Race Stigman did a phenomenal job with it, and it hurts me to say it, but that's the absolute truth. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James JamesGavs. And remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Stecanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.